Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. We are kicking off a brand new series, and uh, these guys are going to be up here uh, joining me for the next four weeks, and uh, this is a goofy way of getting across a very, very, uh, I think a very foundational biblical principle that we're going to be teaching over the next four weeks, and I wanted to introduce them to you real quick. Uh, These guys are, Max is uh, clear to your right over here, and then we have Manny, and we have Mark, and we have Kevin. And so uh, these guys are going to help us, and and the way that they're helping us is they're all uh, set up for a different type of hiking. And uh, we're going to demonstrate over the next few weeks uh, this principle of spiritual growth by using this idea of hiking. And the reason we're doing that is because the name of the church is Mountain View Fellowship, and we thought it was appropriate, right? So we we talk about uh, hiking up the mountain, following the trail, different things like that. How many of you are like avid hikers? You like to go hiking? Okay, so you've got some sick people in here. That's all good. Uh, you guys are like joggers to me. I don't get that. But anyway, uh, how many of you are like, you're serious about climbing? Like you've done a lot of the 14ers in the state. Uh, maybe if you, okay, we got some of you too. Well, great. Uh, I know Colorado is one of those states. It's just got that, uh, that outdoorsy type feel to it. And we know we have a lot of people who are out hiking. Uh, I don't do a lot of hiking, but I, I love hunting. So I get up in the mountains. That's my sanity week. I love that. And uh, so I understand that there's a difference when it comes to outdoors when you start talking about preparing for the trip. And then the first one over here that I want to introduce you to is Kevin. Kevin did it his way. Uh, He is actually what we would call a day hiker. And uh, as a day hiker, you can tell he doesn't have a very big backpack. It's a small one, actually. It might have a sandwich. It might have a couple of items in there. Uh, But honestly, uh, he's just made for a quick excursion to get out. Doesn't even have the shoes or the pants for it, but he's just going to get out for a little bit. Now, the problem with that is if he takes off and he doesn't check the weather report and he gets hit with a storm, the dude's in big trouble, right? And he's not set up to spend the night anywhere. He's not set up to take on anything other than what's right in front of him. And he's not even thinking about anything other than maybe the next hour or so. Now, the next guy over here, Mark, is a little bit more equipped. We're going to call him our backpacker. Uh, he's definitely a lot more equipped than our day hiker. He's, uh, he's ready to get out and hike. He's ready to spend some quality time out. And if something were to happen and he would have to spend the night, he can definitely do that. You know, he can pull out an emergency blanket. He can do what he needs to do. He can hunker down and spend the next 24 hours out there if he has to. But it's only for himself. He's prepared for himself, but really nobody else. Manny, on the other hand, is what we're going to refer to as a guide. Uh, has anyone ever used a guide? Have you gone climbing or hiking and ever used a guide? Anyone? 
Okay, a couple of you. Yeah, so you know what this is like. Uh, I've used a guide a couple of times as I've gone on hunting trips, and I can tell you that, uh, especially a couple of the, hunt, the hunts I've gone on with guides, the guide comes prepared not only for himself and for every occasion that might arise, but he also is prepared for the people that he is guiding as well. Uh, a guide many times will have supplies not just for himself, but also for the people that, that he's leading and taking on the trip. Uh, I remember one guide in particular, we went way back, we went to an area where you could only get back by uh, foot or horse, and uh, I, remember, I remember standing in the middle of this meadow thinking, how many people have actually stood right where I'm standing today? I mean, it was that far back. But the reason I used a guide was because he knew the terrain. He knew the area, had been there many times, and, and could, could guide other people there safely. He knew the safest route to get there, how to get there, when to go, when not to go. And so that's, that's uh, the idea behind a guide. But his pack is designed not just for him, but other people. Now this one, I'm not going to move him because there's so much to it. Uh, we're going to teach you a new term today, and this is going to be the fourth stage. This is what we're going to call a Sherpa. If you've never heard of a Sherpa, Sherpa was actually the original name was used for the indigenous people that lived in the area of Nepal and Tibet, and they were known for their mountaineering skills. Like they, they lived in the mountains, they were very diverse at climbing, they, they had all kinds of skill when it came to that. Uh, now, over the centuries, especially the last 50 years, Sherpa has actually taken on a whole new name. It's not just for those people anymore, but when you go and you do a serious mountain climb, say you go to Everest, K2, you know, you do something, uh, you need Sherpas involved. And many times, the Sherpa is a term that they refer to the people that actually are the supply carriers. These people carry packs, and you'll see some pictures here. It is absolutely phenomenal to me. Not only are they great at climbing, but their packs are enormous because they're the ones packing up all the supplies for the other hikers, for the other climbers. They're the ones that make sure all the tents, the water, the fuel. Many times they'll have oxygen tanks with them. Even though they've got one, they've got others, uh, other tanks for other people. And so they're just supplying the hikers. And any hiker that has ever gone up Everest uh, or anything will tell you, if it weren't for the Sherpas, there's no way that they could have made it to the top themselves. Because they're the ones that set, set uh, everything in place and had it all set up for them. So these are the four backpacks that we're going to be looking at over the next four weeks and holding up and using as an illustration as we look at this idea of growing in our spiritual walk with Jesus Christ. Now, with all that being said, let me just back up and tell you, this is a series we've entitled Base Camp for several reasons. And, and uh, if you don't know what a base camp is, here's a definition. This is what somebody wrote. This was somebody who climbed Everest, and this is what they said. Basically, on any big expedition. You drive as far as the road takes you, then you walk until you need a rope to be safe. Base camp is where that rope starts and where you supply everything. So you keep all your supplies there. It's your base camp. It's where the furthest that you can go, you set up base camp, and then from there is where you start to send people up the hill. Base camp is a place of safety at the bottom of a mountain that requires a stage climb. It's also something most people can walk to or transport supplies to, especially with pack animals. And so here's the idea behind this entire series. We are calling it Base Camp for a couple of reasons. First of all, because as a church, we believe that every week we come in here on Sunday mornings and it's our job as pastors to equip the saints for the work that God has for them. So our job is to supply, to, to equip, to build you up and send you out on that ascent to be more and more like Christ every day. 
That's what we're attempting to do here. And so we're calling it base camp for a couple of reasons because we, this is supposed to be a safe place, a place where you can come in, you can get answers to your questions. Uh, you can struggle here. It's okay. Um, that's why we come in and gather and worship like we do and, and, and you know, set our hearts right with God and, and then he prepares us for what he wants us to accomplish in the next week. The other reason why we're calling it base camp is because here we are on the first Sunday of 2019 and it's the idea that we're going to launch you out from here. Now, um, l- let me just talk to you as a pastor just for a second, okay? Uh, l- let me just tell you where I'm coming from because this series has been uh, probably a couple years in the making leading up to this. And, and I'll tell you why. Because as pastors here at Mountain View Fellowship, we've noticed uh, something and, and something that we keep talking about is the lack of spiritual maturity within the Christian church today in America. Uh, we see a lot of people that call themselves Christians, but they, they're not living the life. And maybe you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've seen it. Uh, we, we have a lot of people who are, are not only not living the life, but maybe they've been a Christian for 50 years, and they have not, they've not, not grown one step in their faith. They plateaued years ago, and they've never grown. And if that's all Christianity is, I don't want any part of it, because that's not what it's about. And so my question is this, and we're not going to answer the question today, okay, because I don't want us to be embarrassed. But here's the question that I would ask each of us. If you are a Christ follower, if you say that you've devoted your life to Christ, then several things need to be taking place in your life. And again, don't raise your hand. But I wonder if we went around and we asked how many of you, not just here, but in every church across America, how many of you actually have a discipler, somebody in your life who is pushing you and helping you grow in your walk with Christ? See, I I think we'd be afraid to know the answer to that question. Uh, The other thing, as believers in Christ, how many of us are actually reaching the loss for Jesus Christ? How many of us are fostering an up relationship is the way that we put it here at Mountain View Fellowship, but how many of us are actually fostering an up relationship with somebody that doesn't, I'm sorry, an out relationship with somebody that doesn't know Christ? with the intention of hopefully through fostering that relationship, someday you would be able to introduce them to Jesus Christ. How many of us have have introduced somebody to Jesus Christ, gotten in the tub, gotten wet, baptized them, and in that moment begin to disciple them for the rest of their life? This is the calling that God has placed on every Christian. Uh, Before he ascended into heaven, he gave us the great commission. He said, hey, go into all the world, preach the gospel. You know what that means? Evangelize. Tell lost people who I am and what I've done for them. And then he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them everything that I've taught you. Like, teach them to obey everything. That's discipleship. That is the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. But yet somehow in the American church, we've gotten to a place where we said, hey, I've received Christ fire insurance. I'm good to go. And we're done. And it's no wonder that we've got people who have called themselves a believer for many, many years and have never grown spiritually or have been a Christian for a very long time. And the first time trouble sets in, the first time a storm sets in, they can't handle it. They haven't grown. Now, something we've said here at Mountain View Fellowship since the day we launched, and actually before that, in our launch team meetings, one of the things that we kept repeating was this. We want to be more like Christ every day. You know what that means? That means better than yesterday. More like Christ every day. 
That means wherever you're at, you begin that process. Let the adventure begin, right? You, you begin that journey. You begin that process of becoming more like Christ every day. And I'll tell you, just from experience, some days are better than others. Some days you go backwards. And you got to reset and you got to get back up and you got to start again. But it's the idea of becoming more and more like Christ every day. That's spiritual maturity. Are we serious about this? Is this a part of our life? Now, the reason this has taken so long is because this is another layer on this entire mission that God has given us as Mountain View Fellowship. We've been working on this for a long time. These goofy mannequins up here, this, is, this isn't just yesterday. This has been coming for a long time. Now, I'll also tell you this as a pastor. My prayer and hope as we dive into this starting in 2019 is that we would get this. That we would get it to the very core of who we are. We've been praying that, that by this stupid, goofy illustration of having mannequins and backpacks and talking about four different backpacks, that every one of us in this room, we would be able to go, yes, I know where I'm at and I know how I, the next step that I need to take to grow to become more like Christ every day. And I'm going to commit myself to that. Because I promise you this, if everyone in this room did that, it would change everything. If you were here last week, I was challenging you not to say, hey, my New Year's resolution is I'm going to lose 10 pounds. Remember? I'm going to change my haircut. I said, why not shoot for something better, something that was eternal? This is what I was talking about. And so as we dive into this, I want us to take a look at these four backpacks, and I want us to start to, to draw it toward spiritual maturity, start thinking about spiritual maturity. What type of backpacker am I? At what stage am I in? And I want to show that to you by looking at a real-life example in Scripture. It's the Apostle Peter. And so if you would flip over to Luke chapter 5, go to Luke chapter 5, verse 8. And I want to take a look at his life. And as we do that, I want you to keep these backpacks in mind. Because I believe we all take off, we start, and, and we have to get to this place where we say, okay, we're going to hike. And so we decide that we're going to take a look at it. And so we actually start clear to the left of Kevin. Some of you that are here today, you're not even toward Kevin yet, right? You're on the other side of Kevin, and that's okay. But I hope that you'll be able to identify where you're at. Now, today, there's so much stuff we want to cover that we can't. So today, really what we're doing is we're setting the foundation for what we're going to discuss for the next three weeks. But I hope that we get this set today so that over the next three weeks, it starts to make a lot more sense to every one of us. So just hang with us. Um, Peter, his story starts off, and he wasn't even named Peter originally. His original name was Simon, and uh, he was a Galilean, and he lived in a, in a place called Bethsaida. It was actually the northeastern shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. And we don't know a ton about his early years. We do know that he was married. Uh, we know that because Jesus later on would come to heal his mother-in-law and that he eventually somewhere in that time frame would move from Bethsaida to the northwest uh, corner of uh, the Sea of Galilee, which is a town called Capernaum. And this is where he would set up his home. And uh, we would find him as a fisherman in this town. This is where Jesus first encounters him. Uh, we know that uh, Jesus is introduced to Peter through Peter's brother. His brother's name is Andrew. Andrew was actually a disciple of John the Baptist. And, and he would come to Peter and say, Peter, I think we found the Messiah. And his name is Jesus, and I want you to meet him. 
And this is what would happen, and he would actually come to find out who Jesus is. And in Luke chapter 5, when the story starts, what we find out is that Jesus is walking along the shoreline on the Sea of Galilee. Peter's a fisherman. He's got a boat. He's been out fishing all night. He's come in, and they're actually done. They're at the end of their shift. They're washing all their nets. And, and here comes Jesus, and he's teaching to this large crowd, and he sees that their boats are sitting on the shore not being used. And he would climb into Simon's boat, and he would say, Simon, let's push away from the shore. And Simon would get in, and they would push away. And why would he do that? Well, because Jesus knows that if he gets out on the water, he can use the water almost like an amphitheater, right? He would speak and his voice would echo off of the lake and he could speak to a lot more people that way. And it's actually pretty clever. And so Jesus is pushed away from the shore in this boat and, and Simon's there listening to him preach and he, and he gives his entire message. And at the end of this message, he tells Simon, he says, now let's go to deeper water and I want you to let down your nets. And at first his response is like, wait a minute, who are you to tell me what's, you're not even a fisherman. I've been fishing my whole life and, and we've been fishing all night and we haven't caught anything. And then finally I love his change of tone because he says this. He says, but, but if you say so, if you say so, I'll let down my nets. I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll try it out. And it says that he lets down his nets and that when he goes to pull them up, that they're so full of fish that they begin to tear. And so he yells for the other guys on the shore and they bring their boat out. And both boats are so full of fish that they're on the verge of sinking. And in that moment... I believe it's when Simon Peter realizes who Jesus is. Take a look at this. Luke chapter 5, are you at verse 8? All right, this is what it says. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. See, I believe in this moment, he went from a day hiker he, he went from a Jewish man that knew the Torah, he knew the scripture, he knew the prophecies about the coming Messiah. And he'd been looking, but hadn't really found him. And in this moment, he acknowledges that Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, notice his response, oh Lord, please leave me, I'm a sinful man. See, when you bump into Jesus, when you come face to face with Jesus, and you realize who he is, you can't help but understand who you are. And he says, leave me, I'm a sinful man. But I love how it says that when they got back to shore, he left everything to follow Jesus. He, he went from a day hiker to a backpacker. Hey, I'm going to start living this out. I'm gonna start walking with Jesus. Jesus goes on to change Simon's name or at least add something to it. It's the name Peter. And so many times you'll see him referred to as Simon Peter or just Peter. Uh, would you turn over to Matthew chapter 16? Go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Now, a few things happen while he's a backpacker. Jesus, uh, like I said, gives him a different name. He also, in this moment, officially becomes one of the disciples that starts to follow Jesus. Peter witnesses all kinds of things that Jesus is doing. One of them is Jesus goes in and raises a girl from the dead. And he gets to see all of this. One of the greatest stories in this moment of his life is that they go out, the disciples go out and get in a boat and they're trying to cross the sea. And, uh, and all of a sudden a storm starts to rage. 
And Jesus isn't with them, but all of a sudden they see this, this person walking on the water and they think it's a ghost. And finally they're terrified and, and Peter finally goes, no, no, wait, that's Jesus. And he, and he says, look, if it's you, Jesus, please call to me and I'll come to you on the waters. And Jesus said, come to me. And this is cool, man. He steps out of the boat and Peter gets to walk on water. He gets to walk on water and he does great until he takes his eyes off of Jesus until he starts to look at the waves and the wind and, and he sinks and he cries out to Jesus, Jesus, save me. And Jesus reaches down and, and pulls him up and they get back in the boat. And you might think, what a loser, you know? He sinks in the water, but I would say the opposite. I'd say, hey, he at least got to walk on water, right? Now, um, the next step in, spiritual, in uh, Peter's spiritual growth, I think, comes right here in Matthew chapter 16. Starting in verse 13, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others say Jeremiah. Or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them. I love how Jesus turns the corner here. He says, But who do you say I am? Which, by the way, is a question that every one of us have to answer, especially if you're going to mature in your faith, if you're going to mature in your walk. You have to come to the answer yourself. Who do you say Jesus is? Look at Peter's response, verse 16. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. I believe in this moment he goes from a backpacker to a guide. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And we talked about this so many times here at Mountain View Fellowship, but in that moment, Jesus is saying, look, upon you, not the person, Peter, but on people that confess who I am, who acknowledge who I am, and commit themselves to live by that. That's what I'm going to build my church on. That's why when we talk about the church, so often we think about a building, but it's the people. It's those who profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and live their life out. God, Jesus says, I'm going to build my church upon that, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. In this moment, Peter moves from a backpacker to a guide. He begins to understand that his faith is not just about him, but it's about something bigger. It's about people professing who Jesus Christ is and living by it. Peter starts to emerge as a confident leader. He gets to witness many more miracles as he walks with Jesus. He, he sees the transfiguration of Jesus. He, he is with Jesus when Jesus announces that pretty soon he's going to die. And, and again, Peter rebukes him, Right? Remember when he was a backpacker and he, he took his eyes off of Jesus and he sunk in the waves? He's still not perfect. Now he's a guide and he, and he rebukes Jesus and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Um, he does it again later on. Uh, they are the night before Jesus goes to the cross and they're having a last supper and, and Peter makes this statement, a very bold statement. He says, I'm, gonna, I'm never going to betray you. And Jesus predicts in that moment that Peter's going to deny that he even knows him three times before the next morning. And around a charcoal fire in a courtyard that very night, Peter denies that he knows Jesus three times. Jesus' prediction comes true. Uh, turn over to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, go to verse 9. 
Soon after that, Jesus goes to the cross and he gives his life up for, for all of us, for our sins, to, to create a new covenant in his blood. They take his body off of the cross and they place him in a tomb. And three days later, the report comes in that Jesus has risen from the grave. And guess who is one of the first ones to run to the tomb to check it out? Peter. Peter. He runs to the tomb. And actually, Jesus appears to Peter before he appears to any other other disciples. And he says, tell all the disciples to go to this one location. I'll meet you there. And that's exactly what happens. Jesus walks with them. He appears to them several times. But even in that moment, even as a guide, even as somebody who's taken those steps of spiritual maturity, he denies Christ three times and fails. And I think this has a profound impact on Peter. Maybe you'll relate to this. I don't know if it's Peter saying that now he's messed up God's plan for his life, or now he's not able to accomplish what God wants him to accomplish because he's failed God. But what we find out in this moment is is Peter has gone back to what he used to do. He's gone back to what he knows best. He's back in a fishing boat, even though he's called by God. John 21 tells us that the disciples were out fishing in the Sea of Galilee. Again, same story. They've been fishing all night. They haven't caught anything. And at dawn, a figure appears on the shore, and he says, hey, have you caught anything? They're like, nope, not yet. And he says, well, cast your nets on the right side of the boat. And so this is what they do. They cast their nets on the right side of the boat. And as soon as they cast their nets in, they start to pull it back up. There's so much fish in it, they can't even haul it in. And in that moment, I think Peter realizes who the man on the shore is. And almost like a scene from Forrest Gump. Remember where Forrest Gump is sitting on the boat and he's having his lunch and he gets the phone call and he says, uh, Forrest, your mom is sick. And it's almost like he, he's like, nothing could be fast enough to get me home. And he just looks around and he bails off the boat and he starts swimming towards shore. I think that's kind of what Peter does here. And we're actually told that's exactly what happens in scripture. He just bails off of the boat and he heads toward Jesus on the shore. Why? Because nothing else matters. He doesn't care what anyone else thinks. It doesn't matter. Verse 9 is where we pick up the story. It says, when they got there, talking about all the rest of the disciples, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. And I just want to stop for a minute because there's so much symbolism in this. Remember the charcoal fire that Peter was standing in uh, by in the courtyard when he denied Christ three times? I think Jesus is sending a message here. Verse 10, bring some of the fish that you've You've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, notice that he's not calling him Peter in this moment. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time, and I think it's one for every time he denied him. 
He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said what? He said, then feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. I believe this is the moment that Peter went from a guide to a Sherpa. He took that final step in in his spiritual maturity and, and because we see a whole different Peter after this. After this event, nothing else is the same. Everything changes. Peter, by default, becomes one of the leaders of the disciples, and he begins to lead in a big way. In the book of Acts, we see where Peter gets up in front of all the people in Jerusalem, and he preaches a a message like you wouldn't believe, filled with the Holy Spirit, and thousands come to be baptized because of the the preaching that Peter does. We see where Peter heals many people who are sick. He travels all over preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, telling people about Jesus and what he's done. He raises a little girl from the dead, very reminiscent of what Jesus had done earlier. But he also makes mistakes too. Even though he's at this stage of Sherpa and you would think he'd have it all figured out, he still makes mistakes because there's a moment where Paul actually has to come and confront Peter and go, why are you acting different when Jewish people are around Why do you act different between two groups of people? And he's being called out on something that he's not doing right. Now, some of you might go, why doesn't he ever get any, why why can't he get everything right? I would say because he's a person just like you and me. We're all broken. Doesn't matter what stage you're at, you're still growing to become more like Christ every day, right? You notice we never say growing to be more like Christ every day until you become like Christ, right? Because the truth is, you never arrive until you appear before him in glory. So it doesn't matter how old you are, 7 or 97, you're constantly growing to become more like Christ every day. Peter is a different person as a Sherpa. Uh, He's beaten, he's arrested many times. There's this one great story of him being in prison, and uh, after being beaten, and he's worshiping in prison. Just worshiping. Where most of us, especially over here in this area, we'd be given up on our faith. But as a Sherpa, he's worshiping God. Even to the point where an angel walks in and just walks him out of the prison like it's nothing. Now, I want to stop there. And I just want to tell you, I want to invite you to commit yourself for the next few weeks to come back. Because we're going to be taking a look at these four backpacks. And, and as in light of Peter's life, I want us to try, to try to draw some parallels in our own lives. I, I hope that we'll start to understand these backpacks to such a deep degree that it becomes a goal for us. It becomes our commitment to grow in our walk with Christ, to become more like Christ every day. Uh, and I think Jesus would have some things to say to each hiker and I, I hope that you're internalizing some of this already. I hope that you're kind of going, well, I'm over here, I'm, I'm in between these, and, and you're starting to identify kind of where you fall a little bit. Uh, maybe this would help you, because I think Jesus has something to say to every hiker. If you're the type of hiker that's a day hiker, if you're on this side like Kevin, I think Jesus would say to you, come and see. Come and see. And he did this often in Scripture. Those who were just searching, those seeking, and maybe you're here, maybe you don't know Christ, you don't have any religious background, and you're just kind of uh, in a place in life where you're like looking for truth, and you're here just kind of seeking that, or maybe somebody invited you today, and you're like, I don't even know why I'm here. Uh, Maybe that's you, and I, I want you to know that Jesus would say to you, come and see. Just come check it out. It's one of the reasons why here at Mountain View Fellowship, we're so passionate about first time guests feeling welcome. 
Why? Because Jesus would say, come and see. Just come and check it out. Come meet with me. Now, if you've taken that step, you've received Christ, you've, you've, you've said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and you've committed your life to him, and you've moved into that backpack area, you're a backpacker, I think Jesus would say to you, um, come and follow me. Follow me. Live like I lived. Become more and more like me every day. Now, if you're taking that step and you've gone from backpacker to guide, where you understand that your faith is not just about you, but it's about the people that God has placed in your life. Your faith has more to do with people around you. If you're in that place and you're starting to understand that not only is it about you growing, but you have to help other people grow and know who Christ is, I think Jesus would say to you, I'll make you a fisher of men. I'll make you a fisher of men. And for those of you that have taken that step to become a Sherpa, you're on this side of the spectrum where your life is solely devoted to Christ. You're not even in the picture anymore. It's about what you can do for Jesus and for his kingdom. I think Jesus would say to you, go and make fruit. Go and produce fruit. Go and do the things that I've taught you. Now, over the next few weeks, I'm just gonna tell you where we're going with this. This is my desired result. And in, over the next few weeks, we get to this end of, the, of a four-week series. My prayer is that every one of us in here, regardless of age, regardless of how long you've been walking with Christ, that you would understand that to be a believer, to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ means a few things. It means, first of all, that you're being discipled. You have somebody in your life that you've identified that is helping you grow, helping you become more like Christ every day. They're pushing you to grow to be more like Christ. You've identified a discipler. Also, you know that your life is aimed at reaching the lost for Christ. And when that day comes and, and you're fostering that out relationship and you get in the tub and you get wet and you baptize them, that you enter into a lifelong discipleship process with them. You've entered into a covenant relationship to disciple them for the rest of their life or your life. I pray that you come out of this series and you know without a doubt that's what a Christian does. It doesn't just warm a seat on Sunday mornings, but all of life is wrapped around being discipled and reaching and discipling others. And if you're not doing that, you're not fulfilling the purpose that God has for you. I pray that we get this. I pray that everything else starts to get wrapped around that. Uh, Eugene Peterson wrote a book called Eat This Book, and it's a, it's a book about getting into the Word of God, getting the most out of it, how to study the Word of God. And this is what he wrote. He said, the story of Scripture is a story of following Jesus. None of us are the central character in our own lives. Jesus is. Now, if you don't get that, my guess is you're on this side somewhere. Those of you that are in the room, your guides and Sherpas, you're starting to get that. That makes more sense to you. Now, in this story of Peter that we just read, I want you to know that the whole, the whole thrust of that story, what I want you to get out of it is not what Peter did or what he didn't do, but what God did in Peter's life. That life transformation that took place in his life. And here we are, the first Sunday of 2019, and you have some decisions to make. You can decide to live your life for you. You can definitely decide to do that. But if you do that, I want you to know 
that we all die, and shortly after death, we're forgotten. And that's where that legacy ends. But we can choose to make our life about Jesus Christ. And if we do, then our life is replayed throughout the rest of history as we join the legacy story of believers helping the next group of believers to grow in Christ. You become part of that legacy that comes from Jesus Christ all the way into eternity. Remember I challenged you back uh, last week that I wanted you to set some New Year's resolutions that had a bigger purpose, had eternal purpose, this is what I was talking about. I pray that we get that over the next few weeks. Another desired result is that by the end of this series, when we get to the 27th, as we talk about the four backpacks, my goal, my prayer is that you'll be able to self-evaluate where you are. And not only know exactly where you are, but identify the steps that you're going to take to get to the next level to become more and more like Jesus. Will you come back? That's my question. I hope that you'll commit to be back every week for this series. Because if we do, listen to me, and this is just me as a pastor talking, if we get this over the next four weeks, we're gonna talk about the differences in these backpacks, how they approach life, how they approach church, how they approach even the people around them. There's a big, vast difference between these. If we get this, it will change everything. I think not only will it change your life, but it'll change your family and it'll change our communities for Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. God, we come to you right now as a group of people who, God, we do desire to be more and more like you every day. Lord, some of us struggle even knowing how to do that. I pray that over the next few weeks that you will open up our, our hearts, minds, and souls to direction, direction from you on how we can be more like you, how we can start to um, be just a person that you can use to bring about your will on this earth. Lord, we know, we know without a doubt that you love us. God, we're here today declaring that we love you. And Lord, we pray that over the next few weeks that you would draw us closer, that you would raise us up, that you would grow us up in you. And I pray that this changes everything, not just for each individual, but for this church, for the I-70 quarter, for Eastern Colorado. May we see great things for the kingdom of God because of what we discuss and the commitments that are made over the next few weeks. God, we pray all this brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for joining us here at Mountain View Fellowship. We'd love the chance to meet you in person. We gather each Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at 1955 Headlight Road in Strasburg, Colorado. If you aren't able to join us in person, we'll meet you right back here next week. God bless.